You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all. Learn more in this message by Pastor Junes Kosar. We are on a three-week series for our uh, Biaheng Semana Santa. This is Holy Week Journeys. I don't know if there are any overseas, other nationalities here today. Okay, maybe not. So uh, this is uh, Holy Week Journey. And if you notice that the title, in, in fact, uh, during the first week last week when Pastor, when Pastor Ariel was preaching, I was trying to look at what is that PowerPoint. So that is inside the jeepney. Okay, that's the seat. And later on, when, you sh- when they show you the regular one, it's looking at the glass with all the back mirror and all of that stuff. So that's just basically what it is. It uses basically three of the uh, different uh, uh, street names that are famous in the Philippines uh, to highlight each of the topic that we will discuss. And I will explain that to you in a moment. But the series, uh, are we good? Sorry, I, I did not turn it on. Okay. Our series objective, let me break this down, is really primarily for our people to see the relevance and the significance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We do this every year, lest we fall into a trap of just becoming religious and familiar over these events. It is important for us to ask, is this relevant to me? Is this relevant for all of life? And if so, what is the significance of Christ's death and resurrection? Because if you are able to answer this question, this will absolutely revolutionize your life. As it had the life of Paul, Peter, and anyone that has had an encounter with Jesus. And not only that, but to look at this in light of the truth of Scripture with two goals in mind for this series, that we will develop a genuine faith in God, total trust, committing our life to Him and our entire future, as well as develop a relationship. Because what good, again, is knowledge about God if we do not walk in intimate relationship with God? And finally, even in the midst of a very, very religious and a very traditional society. So this is our primary goal. We are, the unique thing about this series is we are looking this series in the, through the lenses of the Filipino mindsets or through the lenses of our Filipino culture. We will revisit as much tradition that we practice during the Holy Week. And then we will examine it in light of the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say about this? And so the week one we have last week, Balik uh, Balik, basically, in, it's really hard to translate it in English. It's go back, go back. But it's really the concept, the idea is revisiting. Because one of the primary mindset during Holy Week, because it's Holy Week, we better act holy. That's one of the prevailing mindset. Does that really make a big deal of difference? Is adjusting our demeanor and behavior during Holy Week, does that really Bring God's approval in our life. The second one today, we will look at the concept of sacrificio. The street name there is Paco because that speaks of the nail. Sacrificio, again, the general mindset is this is Holy Week. We better behave. We better uh, 
you know, sacrifice by identifying in the sacrifices and the passion of Christ. So that is basically the general mentality. We will look at it deeper as we go along. And the final mentality is, of course, I cannot wait for the week next week. is bagong pag-asa because the general idea during Holy Week is that God is dead. God is dead. And so uh, this is basically our, we, we're looking at this from the lenses of these three primary mindset. Today we will talk about sacrificial in English. We're going to uh, take a biblical examination of this concept called sacrifice. Now, let me walk you through several traditions. This is not necessarily to educate you or to promote these things to you. But so, number one, we understand our culture better. And when you talk to people or minister to people, you can relate where they are coming from. Because you will be amazed, many of these traditions actually have very good intention. Okay? We ourselves are doing a lot of traditions ourselves. Even here in victory. Okay? Many, many practices. Communion, by the way, even though it is called a sacrament, it is still a tradition the church uses. What? To remind ourselves of Christ's death and resurrection. There are many things that we do in church. Okay? Now, here, uh, the, the general one would be, because this is the longest one, would be quaresma, or what we would call the Lent. Okay? It is the season when Filipinos remember Christ's passion. His suffering and death and resurrection. It starts on Ash Wednesday, where ash is being smudged on the foreheads in the shape of a cross. Okay? I'm sure at one time in your life, you have had a ash smudged over your forehead. Do you know the origin of this? Does anyone know? You know, it could reflect back when Jonah was sent to Nineveh to declare, to command repentance to the nation, or impending judgment will come. What did the people do? They responded by humbling themselves, putting on sackcloth and ashes on their head. This is where you get the concept of Ash Wednesday. And then, it starts 40 days before Easter Sunday. What is significant about 40 days? Do you remember? Jesus when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, spent 40 days in the wilderness, which is why it culminates on Easter Sunday. People abstain from eating meat until the Holy Week is over. Here's another common practice. Of course, this next one would be just the general week, which we call Semana Santa or Holy Week, beginning today, which is actually Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a Celebration of Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem until Easter Sunday. Traditionally, this is a solemn occasion for serious personal reflection. Things grind to a halt. Even radio and television get off the air. Okay, It's eerily quiet during this week. Many businesses would stop operation. And media that's open would either show Christian movies, or they would cover the Holy Week uh, news, okay, or developments. I don't know about you, but growing up, I have such vivid memories and expectation about Holy Week because this is an opportunity for me to watch all the Christian movies. 
Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, you know, I mean, you name it. I love to watch those. I, even in my growing up years, I still look for them. It's just a good time for reflection and a little bit of entertainment in the context of the observance of the Holy Week. Now, also Palaspas, which is what we celebrate today, commemorates the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Palaspas, or palm fronds or leaves, is blessed by the priests. These palm leaves are displayed by some, not by everyone, but they would put them either on the window or the door, especially, this is quite common in the province, with the belief that because this is blessed, it can ward off evil spirits. I am not here to give a commentary on any of this, but just to walk you through the traditions as being observed. One would be, the other one would be Sanakulu. That would be the passion play or Easter pageant, which is a dramatic presentation depicting again the passion, which is the suffering. His trial is suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Traditional uh, passion play is done mostly on Holy Wednesday. Here's another one, Pabasa. It's supposed to start tomorrow. As I was studying early this morning, I could already hear the chanting of Pabasa this morning. But the traditional reading or chanting of verse about the life, passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. The reading are done continuously, day and night, and usually last three days. Starting on a Monday, Holy Monday, ends on a Monday, Thursday. If it started on a, on a, uh, Monday, uh, on a, on a Wednesday, it ends early on uh, Holy Friday. Here's another one, washing of the feet. In the picture, you see no less than the Pope Francis himself washing the feet of ordinary people and even kissing them. Uh, Mondi is derived from Latin mandatum or mendicare or washing of the feet. It's a religious rite observed as an ordinance by several Christian denominations. Then there's the Viseta Iglesia, which is the seven churches visitation. Any pious particularly Roman Catholic tradition, attempts to visit seven churches or religious sites to meditate on the way of the cross. Traditionally also observed on Monday, Thursday, although commonly practiced any day of the Holy Week. And then we have the Siete Palabras, which is the seven last words of Jesus, recited in the morning of Good Friday until 3 p.m., just before he give up his breath. They offer a glimpse into the death of the suffering to accomplish redemption. The seven sayings focuses on the seven different concepts. Forgiveness. Because when Jesus cried out, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they were doing. They, they flogged him, beat him, and crucified him on the cross. Second, salvation. When Jesus looked to the person beside him, the thieves, and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Relationship. When Jesus looked at her mother and said, Behold woman, uh, uh, dear woman, behold your son. And then there is the abandonment. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? In distress. When he cried out, I am thirsty. And then there's the triumphant declaration of it is finished. And finally, when Jesus gave up his spirit, I commit my spirit 
to the Father. So basically, those were the tradition which is hold dearly, both even among Catholics, among Protestants, among evangelical, even in this nation. Procession is also a common practice we see on Good Friday. It commemorates the crucifixion and death of Christ. You see religious figures being carried through the towns on carrozas or carriages. Then there is the most striking tradition of all is what we call the penitentia. It is our penance. This is the reenactment of Christ's suffering from Gethsemane to the cross. During this tradition, people inflict wounds on themselves. Some would even go as far as being actually being crucified and nailed to the cross. Tourists, as a matter of fact, from different parts of the world would come to witness this crazy events happening even in our nation and to see these flagellants, crowns of thorns are being placed on their heads to cause blood to drip. When you really examine this, this, this is why we call these people really devout people. These are serious about their faith. And that is what we will examine in terms, in light of scripture. Penitentia is also an act of self-mortification. Or devotion performed voluntarily to show sorrow for a sin or other wrongdoings. Penitents flagellate themselves in a ritual to atone for their sins in observance of the Holy Week. So as people do their panata by doing this yearly panata, which by the way, any person who makes a vow must be fulfilled within the period of at least seven years. And they do penitentia. Our culture lends some degree of approval in terms of the general mentality or perception is that these people earn favor in the eyes of God. It gives them an opportunity to atone for their sins and put you in right standing before God. So the question we need to ask ourselves, what we looked at is what our culture say. But here's the question. What does the Bible have to say about this? Does these acts really atone for our sins and earn the favor of God? Now, please, let me just clarify this. Sacrifice in itself is not wrong. Sacrifice is a beautiful concept. It is a beautiful, beautiful word. Parents that love their children would sacrifice for their children. We just recently came from a wake where the wife had recently passed away. Can you imagine they fought cancer for three years? Imagine the agony and the sacrifice that they have to do, not just financially, but in every way because of love. People would do things out of a cause. You see military who just lay down their lives. 44 of them died. They sacrificed for the sake of the nation. They knew the dangers that are out there, but this is part of their operation, part of their responsibility. They could die in the line of fire because they made a pledge to serve this nation. So it is not a bad thing. Whatever people do, in fact, when I did my research and as I begin to look at some of this tradition, I begin to think, man, we should be doing these things. These are good things, especially as you reflect on the passion of Christ's communion. That's the spirit. God said, do this. Do this as often as you could so that 
in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is what we do. So we always, there are many kinds of practices and tradition. But I'll tell you one thing. As great as all this, helping whatever your tradition may be, some people, they walk barefoot for however many kilometers because they make a pledge or they make a panada. If you are doing these things to earn the favor of God, this is where you insult the spirit of grace. You trample underfoot what Christ has done for you. Remember on the cross, he declared, it is finished. It is completely paid in full. There is nothing you could do or add up. But this tradition in, in itself, as a matter of reflection, these are wonderful. We should not criticize people who are pursuing things that would strengthen their, their relationship with God. We have our own seven days of prayer and fasting every year. Why do we do that? Why do we deprive ourselves of food and water? So that we can focus only on God. So we could draw near to Him. But if you start capitalizing on fasting so you could earn the favor of God, that is what makes it abominable. And we will look at now what the scripture had to say about this. This would be our text in Hebrews 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. And when the Bible talks about the law, this is talking about the whole Old Testament. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect, those who draw near to worship, if it could, they would, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. If the old covenant would have met this need, there would have been no need for other sacrifices. Verse 3, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Because it is impossible. Can you say with me? Impossible. Impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Can we bow our heads as we commit this to the Lord in prayer? Father, we just ask for your divine revelation. Lord God, not just information, but Lord, so that we would see the magnificence, the awesomeness of your love and kindness to us. Father, thank you that 2,000 years ago that you sent your son to liberate us from the bondage of sin, from the bondage to the law. And you set us free by your spirit. 
to a new and living way to follow you with all of our hearts. Not because we are compelled or because we are bound or because it's a duty, but because it's a joy and an act of worship for us. Lord, we know there's so much that can be said in such a short amount of time. So I pray for your grace, your wisdom, and your revelation. We pray this in Jesus' name. We pray and everyone say, Amen. Quick background about the book of Hebrews. This is an outstanding book. In fact, I would highly exhort you as your devotional for the Holy Week to read the entire book of Hebrews. Every time I read the book of Hebrews, I like to read it from chapter 1 up to the very end, nonstop, in one sitting, because I want the continuity, the fluidity of the revelation. The primary purpose of this book is to present the sufficiency and superiority of Jesus Christ. The message of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. Christianity is superior. Christ is supreme as well as completely sufficient for our salvation. You don't need to add anything to what Christ has done for you. Not only that, it also spells the superiority of Christ outlined in the following, that Christ is better than the angels as seen in the early chapters of the book of Hebrews. He's greater than Moses, greater than the Old Testament priesthood, and that the new covenant is greater than the old. Let me share with you three things we need to know about sacrifice in light of the text we just read to you. The first thing, we want to talk about the futility of Futility of our sacrifice. Why? Because it cannot, I'll repeat again, it cannot take away sins. Secondly, it cannot please God. Our sacrifices cannot please God. But thirdly, Jesus is the perfect and the ultimate sacrifice for our sins once and for all. Why? Three reasons why. Because Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. There is no one that has walked the face of the earth that is sinless except Christ Jesus alone. And he is therefore deathless. Why? The power of sin, the power of death is in sin. Okay? The wages of sin is death. No sin, no death. But because all men sinned, Therefore, we all die. And that was the very mission that compelled Jesus to come to destroy the spirit of death in our lives. Point number one, we we are going to now take a closer look at the futility of our sacrifice that our sacrifice cannot take away the sin. From the text we read from verses 1 to 4 of Hebrews chapter 10, one thing we will notice immediately is that the law and the sacrificial system was only a shadow. It is a shadow, a type, or a picture of the work that our Lord would later accomplish on the cross. The, in other words, the law, the old covenant, the old testament foreshadows everything that was going to come. And that fulfillment was take, took place in the life and person of Jesus Christ. The system was temporary and it could not accomplish anything permanent. The annual repetition of these sacrifices only points to the entire sacrificial system's weakness. 
Animal sacrifices could never completely deal with the human guilt. It can only cover, but it can never cleanse. It can cover. And this is a provision of God's grace until the time that the Savior, the Messiah, appeared. You see, it is very important that blood had to be shed. We call this concept in theology, propitiation. Propitiation means God is holy, and because He is holy, He will not wink His eye on every wrong done. Every wrong done has a corresponding punishment. We call that the wrath of God. But because of God's great love for us, Jesus became the propitiation. Jesus satisfied the full wrath of God. It came upon Him. The judgment, the curse, the death that we are supposed to die, it all came upon Him. But there are two parts of propitiation. One is the satisfaction of the justice and the holiness of God. And number two is the reconciliation. With that God. So now we have a God who is not angry looking at you, but is now looking at you with so much favor and grace and saying, I love you. You belong to me. You are mine. Not because you are righteous, not because you are holy, but because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You should never look at God angry with you because now God is extending his hand. I love you. You are my child. It has been fully subdued. The wrath has been fully satisfied and met in the person of Jesus Christ. God did promise forgiveness to believing worshiper, but this was judicial forgiveness. We're talking about Old Testament here and not the removal of guilt from people's hearts. Again, like I said, expression of God's grace. That it had to be satisfied. That's why animals had to be killed. They have to lay hands as they confess their sin to God before that animal is going to be slaughtered. And then the blood of that would be sprinkled on the altar to make atonement, to make atonement, to subdue the wrath of God. That is basically what they do year after year after year. And then as mentioned in Leviticus 4, verse 20, verse 26, verse 31, verse 35 of chapter 4, as they offer the bull or burn the fat or offer the fat as peace offerings, then it says this in four of those verses, in this way, the priest will make atonement for them and they will be forgiven. Judicial forgiveness, not complete, removing man's guilt, but just enough to cover and to subdue the wrath of God. Amen? It is a judgment call of God because an innocent animal died in our place. People lack the inward witness of full and final forgiveness. The annual day of atonement did not accomplish remission of sin, but only the reminder of sin. In fact, every time they go on their annual feast, it only reminds them of their own shortcomings and their own guilt. The annual repetition was evidence that previous year's sacrifices had not done the job. Take a look at this. We are not Christians or, or the Jews. We're not the only people that offered sacrifices. I wish this was full screen. I wish you could see this in high definition. Because what you're seeing here is 500,000 cows slaughtered. This is hectares and hectares and hectares of land. This is a Hindu Sacrifice festival. This, one of the most extreme sacrifices that people do 
so that their sins can be atoned for. The largest traditional animal sacrifices in the world, Hindu worshippers killed 500,000 animals at this festival. I could not imagine the blood, the gore, everything else littered. It is incredible. I wish you could see it. If you look at actually on the television there at the back, it's probably a lot more sharper, but there are pictures of dead animals everywhere as far as your eye can see. That is just amazing. But then even the Muslims observe a Ramadan. Muslims worldwide observe this as a month of fasting from dawn until sunset. Food and drink is only served daily before dawn and after sunset. This annual observance is regarded as one of the five pillars of Islam. First, of course, has to do with declaring uh, there is no God except Allah. Okay? And then there is the Salat, the ritual prayer five times a day. There's the giving of the 2.5% of their savings to the poor and needy. Fasting and self-control during the month of Ramadan. And a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in a lifetime if one is able. If one is able. Now, the fact of the matter is, why do we even do this? Why do we do all this? Man's greatest problem of all is sin. No matter what kind of religion a man has, it can, if it cannot deal with sin, it is of no value. It is of no value. By nature, man is a sinner and by choice, he commits a sin. He proves that his nature is sinful. It has been said, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. In Hebrew, the word for to atone, as in blood sacrifice, to atone for our sin, is kopar. Literally means to cover. Animal sacrifice under the old covenant could only cover our sin, but it could never take away our sin. Hebrews 10, 3 and 4 says this, But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And therefore, we cannot perpetuate this very act. I wanted to remind you that even us who feel liberated, who knows the truth, can fall into a similar trap as well. We have many practices. Maybe we don't do what others do. But now, because I read 10 verses today, God must be really pleased with me. Because I attended Victory Weekend and I come in worship. I give my tithes and offerings. I read my Bible. Oh, I helped my neighbor last month. That we can start looking at these good things. There is nothing wrong with good things. With doing good things. But if you use good things as a basis to earn God's approval, that is where we have a serious problem. Imagine this. God loves you while you were yet a sinner. Amen? God demonstrated His own love for you and I. Not because we were reading our Bibles or we are trying to be good. At our worst, at our very worst condition, Jesus died for us. While we were his enemies. Now, I don't want to digress. I've never said this even early this morning. But I do want to address this. The teaching, again, we respect Mary. She should be one of the greatest models 
He should be one of the greatest models for what it means to be a disciple. But you know what? This Even this concept and teaching that we go to the mother perhaps because the mother has a soft heart and somehow God is a bit stern. Where did we get this crazy concept? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. It is God who gave up His one and only begotten Son. Why should He give Him up? Just give someone else. Give the angel. Give some, somebody. Why Jesus? This is how much God loves us. That He was willing to even give up His only begotten Son to die for you and I. Amen? There is nothing that we could do today that will make, you, that will make God love you more. He loved you then already. We should be secure in this love of Jesus. The second thing now, the futility of our sacrifice is that our sacrifice cannot please God. Earlier we said it is a shadow. Here also the old covenant, the law, is a mere shadow of the substance that is in the new covenant. Shadow isn't a bad thing. But shadow is not the substance. If you're standing under the sun and it reflects your shadow... That is your shadow. If you move, it follows you like me. I'm under the light. See, my hands move. It moves too. That's my shadow. But that's just a representation of me. It is a reflection of me. That is not the real deal. This is the real deal. This is the real substance. The old covenant and its laws were not themselves bad or evil. Unfortunately, however, they are incomplete and insufficient until the coming of Jesus. The shadow can never make those who approach perfect. It can only point and tell us of its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 it says, Consequently when Christ came into the world, He said sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body have you prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Let me just... The writer, as in the verse we just read, repeated twice that God had no pleasure in the old covenant sacrifices. This does not suggest that the old, old uh, sacrifices were wrong. God himself instituted them. He gave them as an ordinance. Or that sincere worshipers received no benefit from obeying God's law. It only means that God had no delight in sacrifices apart from the obedient hearts of the worshipers. No amount of sacrifice could ever substitute for obedience. And brothers and sisters... Today, God is not after your sacrifices. God really wants your heart. This is why He revealed to us the gospel. This is totally undeserving of us. We did not earn this so that we will respond to Him in love. This is why the Bible says, to those that are forgiven much, they love much. Those who think they are forgiven little, they just give God some little time as well. But those that really understand the magnitude of God's mercy and kindness and love for them, they totally respond in love for God. Let me walk you through some of these scriptures. And some will say, has 
the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. God wants our hearts. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, in view of His mercy, in His kindness for us, the reasonable thing we can do is to offer our bodies to God, a living sacrifice. Yes, God still accepts sacrifice today, but it's only a living sacrifice where you fully give your life, not just your money, not just delegate to somebody, not just to do it out of duty or obligation, but you do it out of love and passion for Jesus. Psalms 51, 16, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Here's another one. What, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Jeremiah 6, 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon these people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. As and as for my law, they have rejected it. What used to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, your, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. If you really come to think of it, the people that would flagellate themselves this coming Friday, people that will beat themselves with blood running over their backs, you would see people even nailed to the cross. Without understanding this, it looks, it appears that there is some, wow, they are quite impressive. But I want you to understand this. Jesus paid the ultimate price already for our redemption. He already declared that it is finished. Hosea 6, 6 says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Let me clarify this. Only by grace are we saved through faith. This is not our own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. What is grace? Grace is absolutely undeserved favor. Imagine God forgiving us. We don't deserve to be forgiven. God giving us the gift of eternal life, adopting us into his family, reconciling us to himself. Wow, these are great expressions of his grace. In another version in Galatians 2.16, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. You see, a religious mindset is a prideful mindset that says, no, I can do it. I've shared the gospel once and I've heard somebody said, that's it? It is so cheap. It is not cheap. It may be free, but it cost Jesus his entire life. Amen? He redeemed us 
Not with silver and gold, but with his own precious blood. And verse 21, look at this. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. NIV says this. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If any one of us here with that religious mindset, no, it could not be. It's too good to be true. You're telling me we don't have to do anything? Listen to me. If you can be saved and good works, it's a wonderful thing. But if you think you can be saved by reading your Bibles, going to church, helping the poor, giving your offering, worshiping God, doing all of your religious activities. If you can be saved by that, there was absolutely no need for Jesus to die on the cross. God the Father knows all men have sinned and the wages of sin is death and destruction out of pure love for us. He sent his one and only begotten son to redeem us because we cannot save ourselves. Here's another one. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. In the NIV it says, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He saved us. What is the difference between grace? What is the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy is undeserved kindness. Undeserved favor. What is, that is grace, sorry, grace. What is mercy? God not giving us what we deserve. We deserve death, curses, destruction, sickness, all of this. But God withhold that out of his mercy for us. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Brothers and sisters, I will not stop you. I would encourage you to continue to do good. In fact, the theology of good works is this. We are not saved by good works, but once we are saved by grace through faith, the result of that is good works. But we don't use good works as a basis to earn heaven. Heaven is only earned by the merits of what Jesus did. Is that clear? So you ask yourself, then if that's the case, why do we still go to church? Why do we help the poor? Why do we still read our Bibles? This is our way of saying, thank you, Jesus. This is an act of worship. We are not trying to earn heaven. We could never earn heaven. It is all simply by what Christ has done. If you will use your good works... As a case, as a basis to earn heaven, Jesus calls that, God calls that filthy rags, dirty robe, or blood-stained rags. What happened? Am I still good here? Are we still okay? Okay, good. I'm, I'm landing here. The whole point of the Christian faith, is three more slides, is that we could never earn our salvation no matter how hard we try. No matter how hard we work or how great sacrifice we could make. Even if we gave our bodies to be burned and even if we crawl to Jerusalem on broken glass, it would not make us one bit more worthy of heaven. There is only one way that our sins can be taken away. Only one sacrifice that's sufficient to atone for our sins is the perfect sacrifice of Christ and this sacrifice makes all other sacrifices unnecessary which leads us to our third and final point, 
Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for our sin once and for all. And he is the perfect sacrifice because number one, he is perfect. He is sinless. Listen to me. There are so many people who are willing to lay down their lives for someone else. But what good is their life and their blood? They too needed a savior. There's only one savior. And the wisdom of the incarnation. When Jesus was born on earth through the virgin. Why was he born of a virgin? So that he would be born sinless. If he was Jesus, was born of a natural human union. If it was a physical sexual union, he will be born automatically with sin and therefore cannot save himself, much less the world. Which is why he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of Mary, because through the bloodline of Jesus, bloodline that comes from the Father is purely without sin. Why? Because the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the gospel is he will confront death. He will take the penalty and the judgment on himself. And while Satan celebrate that Jesus is dead, he did not realize that the man he put to death had no sin and therefore had to rise from the dead to become our ultimate savior, redeemer, and our Lord. When John saw, when John saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was given the name Jesus to save his people from their sins. I'd like to close by reading you the finality of this. Hebrews 7, 27. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then those of the people because that is what the usual priest would do. Since he did not, he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Can you say that with me? Eternal redemption. You are secured in Christ for the rest of your life until Jesus comes back. I'll, I'll close with this because our time's up. And I'll just simply close with a simple thought. You must have heard this. This said, if we all die, hopefully in the right time, and we stand before God, and God were to ask us, why will I allow you to enter heaven? Your answer should not be, I'm a regular member of victory in good standing. Your answer should be, Lord, I completed all victory weekend, one-to-one, you know, all of that. None of that will ever make you earn heaven. The only way you can earn heaven is because Jesus died. To forgive me of my sins. And he rose again from the dead. That I might receive the gift of eternal life. I want you for this holy week as I close in prayer for us. To have this important reflection. Jesus is the ultimate and the final sacrifice for us. Jesus, when he hanged on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is finished. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.